Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you today. I hope you're feeling better. We've had a little sunshine, a good little vitamin D going in your... Uh, so you've got to be feeling better. Today, as we uh, start our message today, and again, we're in the series of Forward in Faith, I want to share something with you. There is a principle in business that's called the slight edge principle. And essentially what it's saying is this, is that a little bit of change can make a great difference. So uh, I actually began to think about that, and I, I did a little research, and uh, I found out that the Kentucky Derby... Uh, this year was won by like 100, one 110th of a second. It was really close. Matter of fact, you can see the picture behind me. I want, to see, I want you to see this picture because the winning horse that is ahead right there won $1.4 million. The second horse that just lost by one one-tenth of a second won $400,000. So what you're looking at is the difference of a million dollars right there. So a little bit makes a big difference. Not only that, but also, uh, I would say this, that one degree makes a big difference. One degree with water, like uh, a 211 degree water, you just have hot water. But at 212 degrees, you have boiling water that creates steam, and that steam can move a locomotive. It can move a ship. It's able to do uh, just what seems to be impossible. It has the power behind steam. And then also, I would say that there's a, a big difference with like one ounce. One ounce, you know, if you chose, if you want to lose weight today, and you chose to lose an ounce of, of weight a day, one ounce a day, shoot, that's one French fry. You choose to lose one ounce a day, then you would lose 23 pounds over a year. One ounce a day can make a difference. Also, one point can make a difference. Rhonda, uh, in our high school, when, when we were getting ready to graduate high school, uh, they changed the grading that one year. One year, they made, in order to have an A, you had to have a 92 that year. You know, it was considered an A. And also, to graduate with honors, you had to have a 92 average, just that one year. The year before was not that way, and then the year afterwards that way, just that one year. So in 1986, my wife had to sit in the crowd with the rest of us because she missed sitting on the row of honors. Her average was a 91. One point. One point caused her to sit back there with us. <laughs> yeah. Where we threw spitballs and all this stuff, you know. We were just glad to get out of there, you know. No, just. But so anyways, there was no, no threat of me having that, but she, she did. It's one point. And so what I want to tell you is this, is that a 1% change can bring 100% difference, make 100% difference. And this morning, I want to share with you some things that spiritually, if, if you will enact in your life, this is, this is uh, 101 stuff, if you will enact these things that I'm going to share with you today, they can make 100% difference in your life. So would you write this down? Let's go ahead and get started. The first one that I would like to say is this. Number one is that 
connect with God and his family. As you write that down, there's a verse underneath that that we're going to talk about just in a moment, but I want to share this with you that the verse I'm about to read to you comes right after Jesus has went back to heaven with God. And the, the, the disciples have went to, to pray, and we call it the day of Pentecost. God's Spirit come and entered their lives. And this guy, Peter, the apostle Peter, begins to preach a sermon about how that you need to be saved. And everybody's asked the question, well, how do we be, become saved? And, and he says this. It's on your program. It says this. Repent. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look back at that verse at the beginning there, and I have those words underlined. Would you read with me what's underlined in that verse? You ready? Come on, you ready? Let's read. Repent and be, and be baptized. I want to share this with you, that repentance, you know, many times we think about repenting, we think about of having to go back and hash through some things that have happened in our life. You know, like, we have to go back and say, you know, I'm sorry for this, and be reminded all over again of the things that we've done wrong. Well, that is only the part of beginning. That's the part that people dread, like, oh, repentance is saying I'm sorry and, and all this. But I would tell you that repentance really is a positive term. Not only do you say I'm sorry for doing that, but repentance is a new direction. Once you repent, you say, I'm sorry for that, but God, through you, I want to walk in a new direction. You see, repentance is a 180. It's not a 360. Okay, I don't know. When I did that, I'm sorry, Michael Jackson just went through my mind. I'm sorry. God rest his soul. But uh, you see, see, it's a 180. It's not a complete circle. It's a 180. It's a new direction. And so when you, when you pray the prayer and become a Christ follower, when you do that, what you're saying is this. You're saying, God, yes, I'm sorry for all the stuff that I've done, but Lord, I want you to take me in a new direction. So repentance really is a new direction. And man, that's what I want to say is, is to you is right now. Is that, listen, you know, you're 1% part in your life getting better. You're 1% part is praying a prayer that says, God, yes, I've made some mistakes. I've sinned against you. Forgive me. But Lord, will you help me to go a new direction? So your, your part, the 1% is praying the prayer and meaning it in your heart. God takes care of the other 100%. That 1% prayer makes a 100% difference in your life if you mean it. And so right now, I don't want to go any further without sharing that with you. On your program, there's a prayer that we have in there that I like to read personally every week. Why? Because people make this decision every week. And so I like to read this prayer to you today. Look what it says. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Now notice this. Guide my life and help me to do your will. That's the new direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, if you read that prayer and you mean it in your heart, you say it in your heart, today I want to say welcome to God's family. And the only thing I ask you to do today is that on that card that Pastor Kevin talked about, this card is called our connection card. On the back of that, under next steps, and I hope everybody will keep this card out today, it says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. And if you will do that today, if you just mark that card so that we can pray for you this week, we want to encourage you. We want to, and if you make that decision, we want to send you some stuff that will help you uh, in your decision or in your life with Christ. Okay. 
Now the next part of that verse, look back at it with me again. In Acts 2 and 38, now notice, notice what's underlined there again. It says, repent and be what? Be baptized, be baptized. So we're commanded to be baptized. Now notice this, being baptized is a public statement that just simply says, I have asked God to forgive me of my sins, okay? But also being baptized is saying, is let everybody know that you made a connection with God and that you made a decision for God, but also that you're going to connect with God's family. That's what baptism is all about. It's saying, okay, I am a, I've, I've asked God to come into my life. I've made that connection with God, but now I'm connecting with his family. Baptism, baptism is symbolizing whose side you're on, that you need a spiritual family. I just want to say this to you, man. This is so crucial in your life because your connections will determine your direction. In other words, it's like a train, you know, if the engine is here and the train engine is going that way and you're like a, one of those cars behind the train and, and you connect to that engine of that train, whichever way that train is going, you're going to go with it. And that's the way it is with the relationships of the people around you. Watch this. There's a term that's called who luck. Who luck is, you know, you've heard it said this way before, it's not what you know, it's what? Who you meet, right? Okay, it's not what you know, it's who, you, it's who luck. In other words, you know, the people that I meet in my life, I was just fortunate enough to meet this person to help me do this. Or it's called the who factor. And so what the who factor is, and who luck is all about, is the people that you're around, you know, that whoever is in your life, whoever you listen to, whoever you talk to, whoever you hang out with, that who person is going to determine where you go in life. I thank God for people that I've met in my life, the who luck that I've had, because the people that were better than me that I got to hang around a little bit and I got to learn from them and be better at that area in my life, they've helped me to get where I am today. You know, I thank God for the speakers that are better than me that I was able to hang out with, the pastors that were better than me, the people that financially that were better than me that I was able to hang out with. And because of that, guess what? I begin to catch some of the principles that they did and it changed my life and it's changed your life. Right now, today, you are where you are in life because of the who. The who luck is in your life or the who that you put in your life and you put yourself around. So I want to say this to you. Is that, man, in order to, for your life to succeed, you have to put the, be around the who's that you want to be like. Does that make sense to you? You've got to go to Whoville. <laughs> we all live in Whoville, don't we? We all live there because who's in your life? The people that you're placing yourself in right now is determining what your, the direction your life is going. And what I'm saying is this, is that, listen, you need a place to where you can go and be around more people that are going the direction you want to go instead of going the direction you're going. You see, insecure people try to be the number one person. They try to be the know-it-all, and then they try to hang around people that know a little bit less than them. That's an insecure person. But smart people and bright people are saying, okay, I want to go this direction in my life, so i got to get around somebody that's going that direction and that's better than me. And once you do that, then all of a sudden you begin to, to take the attributes of that person. You become a better person. And so that's why God created the church. It's so that you would have an opportunity to be around people that you could have some who luck in your life. You see, the people that you get around who helped you in this with finances, who helped you in a marriage by a conversation, who helped you. The church has always been that to me. I have met more people through the church that have helped me in my life than any other thing. Why? Because most people that come to church want to help you. 
And that's why our groups are so important. We have connect groups. Why? So that you can have some hula. It's amazing to me the people that I hear that go to groups and say this. You know what? We were struggling financially, but we met so-and-so. You know, we didn't have, I didn't have a job. I was looking for a job, but we went on to group anyways. And I met so-and-so. And so-and-so introduced me to so-and-so and so-and-so. And I have a job now. Why? They, they got themselves around who? A who look. You see how that happens? And so I want to encourage you, you know, as we're beginning our, our new Connect Group uh, cycle, the semester that's about to happen, you have inside of your program today a list of, we have over 20 groups to choose from. Man, we have financial peace groups. We have marriage groups. So if you need, if you need, if you if you're down here and you need to step up, then choose one of those groups and get around some people that can bring you up. All right. Here's the bottom line: if you tell me your five closest friends, if you give me the name of five closest friends, and I can, I can, if I can look at those people and I could take an average of those people financially, spiritually, physically, then I can tell you exactly what you're going to be. Because you're the average of the five people that are closest to you. And so today, man, I want you to, I want you to change that. You got to change that. Some of you need to get rid of some folks in your life. You see, I heard about the crab fishermen in New England that when they go out crab fishing, they got a little basket. They put the crabs in when they catch the crabs. And you know what? If if they just put one crab in, they'd call out. But if they put two crabs in, they don't even have to put a lid on the bucket because the other crab will never let the other crab go out. By the time it's go out, the other crab will grab its leg, pull it back down. Some of you got some crabby friends. You hear that? You need to get rid of some. There's some folks in your life you need to get rid of. There's some who's you need to get rid of. Because you're never going to get better until you get rid of them. And I'm telling you, you got to replace the old with the new. And the new is God put you in a spiritual family like this, and this available to you. You go to some of these groups, you get to know some people. It's amazing how your life starts going up. You got to change your environment. Now I got to move on because I could just stay there all day long, baby. All day long because it's so true. The Bible says it this way. Look, this is our memory verse. That means you memorize the verse, all right, through the week. Here we go. It says this, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 33. Don't be misled. Bad company, what? It corrupts good character. But this is what I want you to know. Good company builds good character. See, if you're around good company, you've got to put yourself in those positions because if you don't like where you're going, just look who, who you're hanging around and, and, and change that company. All right, enough said about that. Number two, would you write this down? Grow in Christ. Grow in Christ. 101 stuff here today because it's the 1% that makes 100% difference. You see, in order to grow in Christ, we must put up guardrails in our lives. You know why we have to put up guardrails? It's because every one of us in this room have a natural tendency to drift back to the old things of life. Matter of fact, there's many of you sitting here today, you're saying, you know, I want to change in my life. And you can say right now in your mind, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to do something different. And your mind's made up. But within a week, you'll find yourself drifting right back. Have you ever noticed how easy it is or how hard it is actually to start a new habit? Have you ever noticed that? Like, man, losing weight. I've lost a 1,000 pounds in my life. I have. I mean, like, all the years that I've done diets, you, you say, well, Jeff, you don't look like you have a weight problem. I do. I mean, I put on 5 pounds, I have to take it off. Put on 5 pounds, take it off. Put on 10 pounds, I have to take it off. I've lost a 1,000 pounds in my life. You see, and it's real easy, it's really hard, I should say, to start that diet and stick to it, but it's real easy to let go of that and go back to an old habit. 
It's real easy. It's hard to start a new habit, but it's easy to go back to, to an old habit. And that's why in our spiritual life, we have to put up some guardrails. You know, my friend Daryl uh, sitting over here is, is in the army, and he told me this about uh, the military. He's like, in the military, they teach you, you know, like if, if when you're out in the, in the desert with a compass and, you know, you got to go north, but also you got to, you know where north is, but you got to go 180 degrees. Well, if you just try to walk in a straight line, every person in this room right now, you have a tendency to go veer right or left. If we put a blindfold on you, took you out in the parking lot, and we said we want you to walk in a straight line all the way down to the end of the parking lot, it is a fact that you will either run into the building or you run into the road. Because we, we have a tendency to veer. And so you have to get your bearings. Said, every so many paces, they teach you in the Army, every so many paces you go out, you've learned you go right or left, you have to have a correction in your life. That 1% correction can you keep you from a lifetime of misdirection. Many of you started off, so you veered off course, and you, you veer off course 1%, 1%, 1%, and then you end up over here and you say, how in the world did this happen to me? And so I want to give you some guardrails to put in your life, and here they are. This is what growing Christians do to put guardrails in their life. Number one, did you write this down? They pray daily. Their prayer is not, oh God, get me out of this, and oh God, get me out of that. They quit praying those kind of prayers, and they start praying prayers of God, lead me. God, guide me. I'm not talking about they spend two hours on their knees. I'm talking about the, that they have a time just where they get along with God, even if it's only 10 minutes and they have a prayer, just God. And then they pray all day as well. Matter of fact, I never have a meeting that I don't have two conversations going on in my mind. And whenever I'm sitting down meeting with people, I'm like, I'm talking to a person, but I'm saying in my mind, God, give me wisdom. I need to know what to say. I don't, I don't have a clue here. And then it's amazing to me how that when something comes out of my mouth, I'm like, Afterwards, I'm like, you go, God! Woohoo! Person leaves and go, man, you are a smart person. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe. It's the God inside of me. And the same with you. The second thing that growing people do, growing Christians do, is they read the Bible. They read the Bible. I know that's not a popular book in our culture. You know, do you know there's lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit to try to get the Bible banded? You know that right now. It's going on right now. It's, it's amazing. They're, they're trying to get right now past uh, that where you, there would be a stamp put on the front of the Bible to say this could be bad for you. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But growing Christians read the Bible. And so I want to say this to you, you know, as you read that, let, let me just say this. This is so funny. I hear people say all the time to me, say, you know what? Well, well I just quit going to church because I wasn't getting fed. I want to tell you something. That is the most immature statement anybody can ever make. Why don't you just man and woman up enough to say, you know what, I didn't like that pastor no more. He's bald-headed, and I don't like him, and I, you know, I don't like his wife. You know, Maybe I walked by somebody, and their breast smelled that day, and it just offended me or whatever. You know, but There was candy in the parking lot, and it ticked me off or whatever. Just go and be honest about it, right? It's never, if you ever say, you know, I quit going to a church because I wasn't being fed, that says a lot about you, not about that church. As a growing believer, you're supposed to get in the Bible yourself and read it, friend. And if you read the Bible, you will grow. You will be fed. <laughs> if we, listen, we, we eat physical food. And I don't know about how many of you, but I'm looking forward to lunch when I get out of here today. Anybody else looking forward to lunch when you get out of here? Yes. And if you just told me I had to eat one time a week, you would be crazy. I can't fast for six, six days a week. I just can't do that. 
And many of us fast spiritually for six days a week. We walk into the church where they now, pastor, you got to poke it in today because I'm starving and it's got to last me all week. No, no, no. God didn't mean it that way. No, no, no. That was man's idea. God's idea was that you open up the book and you get into God's word. Amen? Amen. The other one is this. Look at verse Peter 1 and 23. It says this. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Now, would you read what's underlined out loud with me? Come on, with a little passion. Here we go. You ready? Through the living, enduring word of God. Now, let me ask you something. Why won't you read the Bible? If I polled every one of you in this room, you would say, yes, I know I should read the Bible. Why won't you? Give me one good reason why. I don't have time. That's what I hear. Yes, you do. Turn the television off for 10 minutes. Turn the morning news off. Turn Facebook off. Hallelujah, glory to God. Instead of finding out who's going to the toilet, why don't you just get in God's Word? You know why, you know why most people are writing all their stuff? They're usually sitting on the throne doing all the Facebooking. Oh, I might as well move off of that. I ain't got home, haven't I? Why not read the Bible? You can do it. Your, your life's not going to get better. As a pastor, I see people struggle after struggle after struggle. And all their lives, and all they have to do is open up the book, and they can find the answers. And they can find the spiritual power to say no to sin. And they can find the spiritual power to say yes to God. All you have to do is open up the book and begin reading, and God will transform your life. Why won't you do it? So now is the time to do it. The next one is this. is give generously. You know why? I've never seen a growing Christian that was stingy. Never. Never. One time a guy came in and said, My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. And he meant it. He took me. I've never seen a stingy Christian. Never have. That's why God invented tithing. You know why? It's because God wanted you to act first. He wanted to say, okay, you know, I gave my son, uh, you give 10% of your income and watch what I will do. You see, faith means you act first. You don't wait and get a blessing, then give. You give and then you get a blessing. That's why in your program I have the tithe challenge. It's inside your program. You can read it. There's a money-back guarantee. We do that for everyone. And there it is. I'm not going to say a lot about it because I went over that in October and November a lot. But if you want to take that challenge on the back of your connection card, I double-dog dare you today. Check that box. Why? Because I can pray with you the journey that you're going to take it over the next 90 days. It's amazing what God will do. Number three, would you write this down? Serve God's family. Growing Christians. If you're going to have the best life through faith, it can't be a selfish life anymore. I'm telling you, it just doesn't happen. You see, Jesus said this on your outline. Look what Jesus said. Then he said to all of them, Who, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to what? Save their life will what? Will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will what? So listen, we're so busy trying to save our lives, aren't we? You know how we do that? We try to work on our self-esteem all the time. That means that we're trying to do things to make other people think we're better than we really are. 
That's why, you know, like we, everything that we have has to be a status symbol in our culture. It's like, you know, well, I want to have this nice car so people will think I made it. I got to have the nice house so people will think I made it. I got to have the degrees so people will think I made it. You know, I've got to have all this stuff to keep my image up so that people think I'm somebody. When you constantly got to make people think you're somebody, you're really a nobody. It's not about that, man. If you want to be a somebody, you don't, you don't get self-esteem. You esteem others. You get self-respect. The way you get self-respect is by helping other people. When you esteem other people, you help other people, man. You see, the, our, the problem with our culture is this. Everybody says, you know what? You've got to be interesting to have friends. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. You don't have to be interesting. You have to be interested in you see, when you're interested in people, you have all you have tons of friends. When you give your use your ears to listen to people's conversations, you hear their hurts and you hear their pains. They'll think you're the greatest person in the whole world. So you don't have to be the, the life of the party to be somebody. No, that's the person that everybody laughs at. We make fun of, and when you go off to jail, we're still laughing. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the class clown doesn't grow up. And it harms them. So you learn to serve. You learn to serve. That's the way that we do it. Look what the Proverbs, the smartest man who ever lived wrote these words. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are what? Are helped. You see, when you, when you serve other people, you get help. Listen, in God's family, I want to tell you this. I, as a pastor, I want you to know that this is what I hear all the time. People, people that never serve in the church, they never do anything, they come in, they sit, they go out the door, they don't know anybody, and then when they have a family crisis or they have a crisis come their way, nobody aids them. And then they go out and say, well, you know, that pastor talks about how this church helps everybody, wants to love everybody, but nobody helped me. I'll tell you why nobody helped you, because they didn't know you. If you don't serve, if you're not in a connect group, friend, and you just dart in and dart out, nobody knows who you are, and nobody will be there when you have a crisis, and you need a church family. Because one day something's going to happen in your life. You're going to have a crisis. I mean, there may be a death in your family. There may be a divorce that happens in your family. There may be a, a child that's driving you crazy in your family. There may be a financial crisis. But a crisis is going to come your way. And you need a family of support to be there for you. And the way you do that is that you don't just hope they show up. You spend your life giving your life back to other people, supporting them. And when you need the support, it'll be there for you. You see, when you hand out bulletins every week, you're making an investment into your life. When you work in the parking lot, you're making an investment in your life. When you stuff bulletins, you're making an investment in your life. When you hold babies, you're making an investment in your life. Why? Because when you're down, man, somebody will be there for you. That's the way it works. And I want to challenge you. You see, you need a spiritual family. And I want to encourage you to get involved serving. That's what makes us a church. It just, man, it just breaks my heart to hear stories of people that something tragic happened to them and nobody was there. I look and say, man, you, we've got to serve. So I'm telling you now, so that never happens to you. Get involved. What I'd like for you to do now is on your connection card. I want to help you with this because I believe it is the lifeblood. If you're not involved in here doing something, I don't want you here 10 hours a week. I don't want you here every day. I don't want to look at you that much. You don't want to look at me that much, right? Man, I don't know what Rhonda put in my Cheerios this morning. I apologize. But I do want you to do something. 
as a mer- if you are a member of this church, you signed a sheet and saying you would serve, and we want to hold you, that your word be your word. Man, get, you can do something. It may be once a month. It may be twice a month, but you can do something. And I'd like you to do this on your connection card right now. I'd like you to just check that box that says, help me find a place to serve my church family. Would you write, check that box and let me help you do that? Let our staff help you do that. I promise you we won't overwhelm you. We'll, we'll let you do something you like to do. If you don't like holding babies, we will not put you in the nursery. I don't care if you've got three of your own. We will not do that to you. We'll put you in an area that you like. We'll help you. Would you write this down? Number four. Number four is share God's message. Share God's message. Look what Paul wrote about this. He says, but how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him unless they've heard about Him, if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the Scripture says, would you read this last part with me? Come on, let's read it together. You ready? How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring what? Good news. Who bring good news. You see, the thing is, we have to share our faith. Aren't you tired of hearing somebody getting shot, kidnapped, raped on the news? Aren't you tired of hearing that? You notice how many times Henry County is starting to show up on the news at night? That means that we have to do something about that. We can't wait for the policemen to do something about it. We have to share our faith. That's a hopeless person that takes somebody else's life. And so we have to share our hope. We have to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. You see, when when we begin to be enthusiastic, and we have enthusiasm about the message, then we'll share it. Matter of fact, the word enthusiasm, if you look at the last four letters of that, it simply stands for this, I am soul myself. <laughs> when you, you know, you're, you're enthusiastic and you have enthusiasm when you believe in what you're talking about. And man, listen, there's people that, are, that we know that are hurting and, and they're, they're in darkness and they need to know the life that we have within us, the light that we have within us. They need to know that. And I want you to share that. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you a tool to do that. On the front of your program today, you've got a little card. That card simply says, it's on the front of mine right here, simply says, you're invited. And notice the title of this series that we're going to do. It's called Happy Habits. Because I'm happy. Okay, I got your attention, right? Man, listen, we're going, to write, we're going to do a whole series on that. So do you know anybody that needs happy, be happy? You know, those people that come to your, you know, maybe your family reunions that, you know, that are just down and out, maybe this is a good series for them to come to. Maybe you got some friends that's nothing but whiners all the time. This is a good series that they need to come to. And I want to give you the tool to invite them to come. I want to share this with you. On your connection card, Is there? there is a... Uh, next step I'd like for every one of you to take with me and it simply says this the last one it says I will ask God for an opportunity to share my faith will you do that with me this week will you just ask God God will you let me share my faith because the world's not going to get brighter until we get the gospel of Jesus Christ in it and you're God's messenger I read this uh, come across this story of it was about a missionaries. These missionaries about a hundred years ago were called one-way missionaries. Instead of packing a suitcase to go wherever they were going to go in the world, they actually had a coffin made for them. 
And they packed all their belongings in that coffin because they knew that once they left, they were never coming back. There was a guy by the name of A.W. Milan who went to one of those such places. He went to the New Hybrides, which is in the island in the South Pacific. He went there to be a missionary, and when he left, he packed one of those coffins with him. And as he left to go to set sail, he went across the seas. He knew that he wasn't going to come back because the other two people that had went to that particular island, two other people lost their life as soon as they got off the ship. And he thought, I'm never coming back. I'll never make it back. But he didn't, it didn't matter with him because he had already died to himself. He was alive in Christ but died to himself. And matter of fact, uh, tomorrow we're celebrating uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's anniversary and a celebration of the day. And you know one of the things that he said? Martin Luther King said this, A man's not ready to live until he's ready to die. So as he got off the ship, he began his work. And God blessed him. Gave him favor with the favor of those villagers. And as he did, he lived 35 years on that village. And then he died. And when he died, those, village, those people of the village come out and they brought that cow coffin that he took with them. And he, they had his body in it. And they brought him right in the center of the village. They dug a hole. And they buried his body right there. And they said this about him. They, they wrote on his tombstone right there. They said, when he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. God is asking you, are you all in? When I, friend, when I, when I became the pastor of this church, I packed my coffin. 20 years ago, I said, God, if you'll let me go, I just want to go spend the rest of my life in my, my coffin's with me. When I made a decision for Jesus Christ, I packed my coffin. I'm not going back. And I made a decision, I want to let the light of Jesus Christ shine through my life. And I want to be a light in the world. And God called me to be a pastor of a church that would shine the light. Our world is going dark. And so when our time is over in this world, what is, what is the world going to say? Are they going to say, when they came in, it was dark. And when they left, it was dark. Are, they, are we going to be the church that God called us to be, to be the light? And then when we leave, listen, your friends and your family are going to say, listen, when he come into my life, when I met them, that who factor, when he come into my life, my life was dark, but after they left my life, it was light. There was no more darkness. God's called you to be the light. He's called me to be the light. He's called SCC, Stop Ridge Community Church, be the light. He's called us to be the light. 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 Somebody's going to die unless you become the light. They're going to walk into a crisis eternity because you got to be the light. I have to be the light. Would you stand with me right now as we begin to sing this song? And would you sing this song as a declaration that I'll be the light, Lord. I'll be the light. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, 
email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.